It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. And ripping to the end zone again. And it's going to be deflected and caught for the Touchdown. Joanna Winfrey. You're listening to the Broncos and Broadwurst Podcast with Kevin Gilligan and the Skipper Dude, the home of all things Broncos and Broadwurst. What's up, my people? Yes, again for a Monday morning and Broncos and Bratwurst podcast. Thanks for joining in. We finally have some football having been played last weekend. Is it already? It's already almost, what, four or five days now since the game played in Canton, Ohio. Seems like a very, very cool place to visit. I've never been. I would love to go. Um, when you listen or when you watch on Twitter and milehighreport.com and watch what just and um, Casey got to experience at the Hall of Fame. It looks really incredible. Their experiences there were really seemed to be one of a kind, and they seemed to absolutely have fallen in love with the place. They said the the treatment they received there was was phenomenal. Um, the experience in general was something that they would um, recommend to absolutely everyone. So if you ever get over to, I believe it's near Cleveland, near ish Cleveland. So if you ever get to Cleveland for whatever reason, definitely check in at Canton, Ohio. I will definitely try to do that someday myself. The game was about what we expected it to be. It was a not even yet preseason game. It was a pre preseason football game. And that's 
what it looked like. I mean, the defenses were were very good, looked very solid, and the offenses did not so much. Though, boy, that that Atlanta second string quarterback really um, put up the yards. He he didn't really score much. Obviously, it ended up being fourteen to ten the final score. Uh, Juwan Winifrey and um, Rippon ended up pulling it out in the end with a little bit of luck and a lot of skill as well. But the there was not a whole lot that flashed on the offensive side of the ball, but that's really kind of what everyone expects. That that just the offense takes longer to to get going. And I, I still believe, and I said this at the beginning of camp, I think by the end of camp, the offense will be outperforming the defense. Now, after having seen this game, I I might have to smack myself in the face for for a very bad take. But Again, you know, my reasoning was that it's it's something that, you know, Joe Flacco, it's a scheme he should be very comfortable with, and he's a guy who should absolutely dominate in these preseason practices and games. But obviously, when he doesn't play, it's going to be a different story. So the, in the game, we saw, obviously, Kevin Hogan start. He looked solid. He looked like a second-string guy, honestly. He'd been absolutely deplorably bad in, in um, camp so far, so it was good to see that he's... Um, more than just a, a garbage arm. Um, you know, he, he ended up scoring a touchdown or, or uh, Mohammed scored a touchdown on a run from the, I think, the two-yard line. Uh, but he led a nice drive, uh, I think his second or third drive down the field, but nothing special. I uh, really didn't put up a whole lot of numbers. No, nobody did. I mean, Locke came in next. And obviously, that's going to be the main topic for everyone Um because he's what we hope to be the future of the team, the future face of the franchise. And let's just say he did not uh, go and Russell Wilson it in this first game. You know, that's what we all hope he's going to do. We all would like him to be the next Russell Wilson and come out of nowhere and earn the starting job over Joe Flacco and just be this super amazing second round pick. And yeah, it doesn't happen often I mean that's why Russell Wilson is Russell Wilson that's why we we want everyone to be him because well he's the example not everyone is like that he's not the norm second string quarterbacks sometimes come and you know end up being successful but in the first year really really rarely and you see it you see why I mean Joe Flacco you know even Kevin Hogan these guys have done it for a long time they understand schemes they understand packages they understand blitzes i mean they just get it they've done it they've seen it all especially Joe Flacco now Locke you know ran a really simple offense in in college i mean he got his plays you know called in by by his coaches and he never audibled he he played almost primary almost all from the shotgun and so it's all new stuff and it's not just a, to to you know try to I don't know, defend the guy, but but I think that's a fair, I guess you could even say a fair defense. I mean, he is a rookie who has a long way to go. He does. I mean, he's got the physical skills, but he's got a lot he has to learn in order to be an NFL quarterback. And, and that's something that Fangio has said over and over and over. He's not ready. He's not an NFL quarterback. Now, the question we have to find out, the question we have to have answered is, is he smart enough to become an NFL quarterback. And that's something we don't know. We'll talk about um, his predecessor, Paxton Lynch, a little bit later. Um, it's not going to be favorable for Lynch, let's just say that. Um, and Lynch was not smart enough. He couldn't figure it out. He was not. He didn't try hard enough. At least by all accounts and all reports, he was not willing to put in the work. Now, everything we've heard, Drew Locke absolutely is 
willing and ready to put in the work. Now, is he still smart enough to figure it out? Maybe not. Very, very few guys are. How many good quarterbacks are in the NFL? 15 in the world? This is a brutally hard position to learn, and it's expecting a lot for a guy to come from an easy system in college and to learn and play really, really well in his first pre-preseason game. So let's take a deep breath. Yeah, he didn't look good. He didn't. But as we're going to talk about here in just a minute, he they did meet one of my my hopes and desires of what they would do during the game. They actually met all three. I had three wishes for the Hall of Fame game that the Broncos would would fulfill, and they fulfilled every single one. So for me, it was absolutely a success of a game. And later in the next segment, Skipper Dude will talk about his, what he liked and what he disliked also from the game. And we'll have a really, really good comparison um, about the quarterback situations and why Elway has drafted two quarterbacks in in different in the same draft two separate times. Why he's done? Why did he draft Locke and Ripian? Why did he draft draft Lynch and Simeon? And, and Skipper Dude's got a really good explanation for that, and some other good stuff as well, of course. Um, But let's go over real quickly what I wanted last week. What did I want to see? If anyone remembers, I had three things that I really wanted the Broncos to do. I wanted to see the offensive line, the starting offensive line, in for a significant amount of time to be able to help them gel together and play as a team. I wanted to see Locke get a chance to air it out. I didn't want him just running a vanilla offense. And I wanted to see Vic Fangio being a stud and looking like he belonged on the sideline as a starting head coach. Now... The O-line, that's what they did. They didn't start everyone. Um, Ron Leary wasn't in there because, well, Ron Leary gets blown on and he gets hurt, so you don't want to risk that. But the other guys were out there. You had you had Bowles. Um, I guess James wasn't out there either, but you had McGovern, Bowles, and uh, Reisner. So you, I guess you had the most of the left side there. And they looked good. Honestly, I was really impressed with the O-line, especially the starting O-line. Now, yeah, I, I, I get it. They're not going against you know these defensive stalwarts that you're going to face you know during the regular season but they still looked like they they were comfortable um they were giving their quarterbacks good pocket space and heck what more can we ask i mean i'm not going to complain that they did well against guys who are probably second string guys that's okay hey go in there do your job give your quarterback space and that's exactly what they did and that and i'm totally happy with that i think that is an underrated thing that happened during the game. Everyone's talking about how bad Locke was. Everyone's talking about the defensive line dominating. The offensive line did a really good job. And I thought, honestly, they did a good job really throughout the game. And now they had a couple mistakes, but they gave their quarterbacks time. They gave them a pretty good pocket, really from quarter one through quarter four. And that's big. I mean, you, for heaven's sake, if this team has an offensive line that can perform and that shows that they have enough depth to overcome Ron Leary's next injury, which is going to happen, then this team could go somewhere. This is this is the primary thing I want to see from the preseason, that the offensive line is not pure garbage. We have a right tackle that can finally block. Garrett Bowles figures it out and actually puts together his extreme talent and becomes a really good left tackle, which he could. He could. He's got the ability. If he's if he's coached well enough, heck, maybe the dude the dude's got the ability, and so does James. You know, Reisner looks like a beast. McGovern, yeah, he 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 didn't really have any problem snapping the ball. That's a big thing. 
I was worried about that. And you know what? There was no problem in this game. And in, 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 in a stressful atmosphere, everyone's nervous out there. Geez, you saw, you saw Locke was definitely nervous out there. And, and I'm sure the offensive linemen are as well. Your first game out in the field, you got fans cheering for you. It's early. You know, some of these guys have never even experienced it. So total props to the O-line for showing up and uh, doing a good job. And I'm really looking forward to seeing them for the rest of the preseason. The second point was I wanted to see Locke air it out. I want to see them give him a chance to to not just throw crossing routes every play. And they did. Now, he didn't do very well, but they still they gave him that shot. They didn't just say, hey, dude, just you know, start from the shotgun and, and drop back for for two quarters and see what you can do, you know, and three-step drops from the shotgun. No, they, they, they had him running some bootlegs. They had him rolling out. And, yeah, mixed results, but still, that's what they need to do. They need to give him a chance to to really see what it's going to take. Don't just ease him in. And you saw that. I, I thought that Hogan and Ripien had much blander and more vanilla game plans than Locke. I mean, that's what I saw. And I think that there was a purpose to that. You know, you don't need to see that much out of Hogan. You don't need to see that much out of Ripien, but you need to see it out of Locke. What can he do? Does he have the touch? And he's only going to get better with repetitions. He's only going to get better if you let him get better. And I liked that. I liked that they gave him a chance. Now, he didn't do very well, but heck, give him another chance this week against Seattle, you know, and then next week, and then the next week. I mean, that's the only way he's going to improve. That's the only way he's going to have a chance to become the future of this franchise. And they did a good job of that. Now, the rest of the game was as boring as you could possibly imagine. But I thought when Locke was in, they they actually tried to get take a couple chances down the field, you know, at Fant and also at, I think, Mohammed. Um I thought a couple of his rollouts, um, I thought he looked really good. I thought he his footwork in the bootleg and play action, I thought was was really nice. Um, his big problem was when he got blitzed, he just panicked. And this is something that, you know, that's that this is a very common thing. And we have to see if he can fix it. If not, then he is not the future of quarterback. Simple as that. I mean, it happened to Paxton Lynch. He, he, as soon as he saw a blitz, he just, you know, holy crap, you know, turn around and run. And if, if Locke can't get better, if he can't fix that problem, then bye-bye Locke. And that's just a simple fact of it. But let's hope he can fix it. Let's hope that, you know, heck, after one pre-preseason game, he's going he's gonna to learn, he's going to get better. And, and the good thing is, in practice, he's got a very, very good defensive line chasing him down. So that will be obviously something that should help him improve, hopefully. The, number, the third point that I wanted to see out of this game was I wanted to see Vic Fangio comfortable on the sideline and making good decisions as a head coach he's never had a head coach before he's rarely been down on the sideline I think almost never on the sideline he always coaches up in the box as defensive coordinator and obviously the big storyline was that he had kidney stones which as I've heard are are practically like the 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 male version of having a baby <laughs> so um yeah not not fun not pleasant um and he just obviously toughed it out like the good old-fashioned dude that he is and he looked good. I, I thought he looked comfortable. I thought he made good decisions. I thought the team looked prepared, especially in the first quarter. I thought they they looked like they knew what they were doing, especially on defense. He made, I think, pretty good decisions. I liked that he went for it. You know, on fourth and fourteen to end the game. Don't go into overtime, geez. You know, for goodness sake. And that was that was nice, nicely done by him. Um, kind of a you know tip of the cap to the the other coaches and everyone in the stadium. Just like okay, let's not send this to overtime. Um, he you know he threw the flag on that. Potent on that pass interference call, you know, 
I think that's the weirdest thing that you can actually um, you can actually throw a flag for that now. I think just you know, come on. Sometimes these refs are going to make mistakes. Let them make mistakes. Don't stop. You know, they're just going to make these games more long and boring. I mean, we've already got enough commercials. I talked to so many Germans here. And a lot of them don't watch football just because there's too much stop in action. They're used to soccer. You know, soccer is constant. They have like one break in the middle and that's it. The games are, I don't know, two hours long total. That's dope. I mean, I, I'm not a huge soccer fan, but I like soccer just for the fact that it doesn't take up your entire evening. Now, of course, football is my number one sport, American football, of course. But it, it gets a little insane, a little crazy with these commercial breaks. And now if you're going to add a couple minutes with these, you know, even throwing a flag for a potential pass interference give it a rest i I don't this isn't going to last it's not going to last it it, i'll give it a year or two and they're going to they're going to do away with it um anyway though back to fangio he did he looked really good um i really liked how he looked on the sideline and i really really liked how prepared the team looked they just looked ready to play the defense was coming out with their their head you know their their tails on fire but they 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 were in position They, they didn't make many mistakes they just looked well coached. They looked well coached. And and I'm not gonna lie, I don't really remember the preseasons from the last couple of years because I wasn't I wasn't doing a podcast. I wasn't covering the Broncos, so I didn't I didn't really pay attention. This is my first one really covering the Broncos. Um so I don't really remember Van Joseph's teams. So maybe they were also looked well coached. Someone please tell me. Um but you know, again, as of just looking at it by itself, very well coached, looked good. And in general, I was happy with the results of the game. Of course, you always want to win. I thought Winfrey looked really good. Draymond Jones looked really good. I mean, that defensive line looks deep. And that, you know, the, the linebackers, of course, you know, the, the, the edge rushers, they look good. And that was a worry for me. I really wondered if they were going to be able to overcome the loss of Shaq Barrett, who was a really good, you know, number three, number four guy. Now, Shane Ray was, was, a body. He he was really not not very good, but but losing Shaq Barrett was a big deal. And I think if you have some of these guys like um, Malik Reed, you know, an undrafted guy um, who can come in in Hollins, you know, guys who can make an impact off the edge early on, then again, this this defense could be really good. Now, I think that it's not a very deep team. Skipper Dude's going to talk about that in a bit as well. I think there's a lot of question marks still, but. As we all know, if you've got a great pass rush, it covers up a lot of issues. If you can pressure the quarterback, then your secondary only has to be okay and your defense will be very solid. And the Broncos have two really, really, I mean, one great, one Hall of Fame pass rusher, of course, in Von Miller. Bradley Chubb looks like he could potentially be on the same path. And if you put someone like Draymond Jones, if he becomes the next um, um, Malik Jackson, then watch out. Watch out. This defense could be something special. We will see up next Skipper Dude. He is going to kind of go over his likes and dislikes of the game as well and also tell you a little bit about what Elway likes to, why he likes to draft two quarterbacks in each draft. Skipper Dude up next. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, some new bumper music. I love it. In fact, it's some bandwagon music. Welcome aboard to the Broncos bandwagon, fans, where we are 24-0 until we ain't baby. Literally, we're the only team in the NFL who can say that right now. So I'm thinking let's go ahead and enjoy that for a week or two until the harsh realities of the long, long NFL season start to bear down on us. They'll bear down soon enough. So today... I wanted to take what will likely be a last look back at the Hall of Fame game and give you my thoughts on the winners and losers from the game. Now, of course, this podcast is not going to hit the street until Monday or maybe even Tuesday, so finding hot takes that have not already been hashed and rehashed and rehashed by the rest of the fantastic Mile High Report staff is going to be a challenge, but I think I may have a couple at least. Okay, so let's start today with the winners. Now my first winner honestly is everybody's number one winner. No no special hot take here. And that of course is Vic Fangio. When we talk about this game, let's say five years from now, if any of us still do, we'll remember it as the game that Vic Fangio coached despite being hospitalized on game day with kidney stones. That alone is seriously badass. But there were two other moments in the game that made Fangio my number one winner. The first was in the second quarter when he threw the challenge flag on a defensive pass interference call. He had said previously that he wanted to be the first head coach to ever throw a challenge flag on a DPI, that being a new, a new rule this year. So he got his chance on a fairly obvious call on, on cornerback Lynn Stevens. If you watch the replay, a little bit of question about whether the ball is catchable, no doubt about the interference. But I was watching a Twitter feed when the play happened, and I saw a number of tweets saying, come on, throw it, Vic, throw the flag. And sure enough, he did it. But not because he thought it was a bad call, I don't think, but simply because so he could keep his word and become a very quirky piece of NFL history that literally nobody will remember a year or two from now. That was awesome. I thought it was just so fan-based, so, so fun. Uh, just a great, great moment in that game. But then the second call, I think I liked even better. The Broncos were down three with 90 seconds to go and had the ball fourth and 14 from the Falcons 16. Obviously, in the regular season, you're going to take your field goal and play for overtime. But Fangio had the presence of mind to go for it and guarantee that there would be no overtime. I'm sure the kidney stones had to factor in. I mean, at that point, the last thing Vic Fangio wanted was more football. But... I like to believe that this was a very business-like decision, and even without the kidney stones, Fangio had no interest whatsoever in overtime. He, he, 
and the coaching staff had seen what they needed to see, and the overtime was only going to expose players to injury. Very nice call there, even if they hadn't converted the touchdown. I think in that situation, literally a loss is better than going to overtime. There's something so genuine and clear-headed about Fangio. I really think he's going to make a pretty decent game day coach. He's not just going to follow the conventional book. If you think back to some of our previous coaches, Vance Joseph probably goes by the book and kicks the field goal and goes to overtime You know, last Thursday. Gary Kubak, possibly the same thing. John Fox, certainly. Um, yeah, if Fangio's going to make his share of boneheaded moves during the regular season, no doubt. Every coach does. But I think he's going to have a plan and a set of big-picture objectives, and he's going to create some consistency and, more importantly, some common sense that he's going to bring to key decisions like throwing challenge flags and going for it on fourth down. Kudos to Fangio. Really an excellent first-ever game as an NFL head coach. So my second winner for last Thursday's game was Bill Kolar. Now, when you break down the Broncos position group by position group, there's really a lot of mediocre mediocrity out there talent-wise. Flacco, eh. You know, the offensive line, eh. Munchak has probably done more with less talent in his career, but that group really doesn't inspire with its talent. The wide receivers, eh. They'll go as far as Cortland Sutton can take them, and right now that doesn't look to be terribly far. I mean, Tim Patrick looks like a great wide receiver uh, for um, Emmanuel Sanders is a fantastic wide receiver, too, if that's the, the role he ends up in. But but so that, that group doesn't look great. Inside linebackers, defensive secondary, eh, you know, relatively mediocre. The one exception to, my, to me, at least at this point, is the defensive front five. Besides the obvious in Von Miller and Bradley Chubb, Kolar's defensive line is starting to look potentially elite. Adam Gotsis is starting to look like the freakish athletic talent Kolar pounded the table to get back in 2016. Derek Wolf, Shelby Harris, and Zach Kerr are going to be extremely stout. But you also saw last Thursday the next wave of defensive linemen that looks to be going to round out a really, really impressive defensive line. Demarcus Walker is looking like the number 51 overall pick in the 2017 draft with a defensive scheme that seems to understand how to use him and his particular skills. Dremont Jones, this year's third-round pick, looked fantastic, as did undrafted rookie Malik Reed and several others. I think a lot of this is on Bill Kolar. So, finally, my third winner from last Thursday was Mike McCartney. Who of you even know the name Mike McCartney? Raise your hand if you even know who he is. And if you do, take a step forward and give yourself a pat on the back. Mike McCartney is the agent for Jawan Winfrey and also for Philip Lindsay. If you remember back to day three of the draft, the Broncos took Winfrey in the sixth round pretty well, leaving the entire NFL scratching their heads because Winfrey had projected out as an undrafted free agent and not even a particularly highly coveted one at that. After the draft, though, McCartney came out and boldly said that Winfrey was going to be this year's Philip Lindsay. When I heard that, I know I rolled my eyes and thought, holy cow, here's an agent who's a little intoxicated on his big find from last year. But after Winfrey established himself as the number five or number six on the initial depth chart as wide receivers, and then he made the game-winning catch on Thursday, I'm kind of starting to wonder. Maybe Mike McCartney is onto something. So kudos to Mike McCartney. All right, so now on to the losers from last Thursday. Loser number one, of course, was fairly obvious, and that was 
Brendan Langley. Poor kid. He's drafted as a quarterback, and failing there, he's trying his hand at wide receiver for a final shot to play in the NFL, at least for the Broncos. And that kind of a move rarely works out. He shows up on the initial depth chart at number 9 or 10, which kind of puts him in that long shot position, a little bit like a team, you know, an NFL team that's losing 31 to 14 in the third quarter. In the third quarter, it's not like you need a miracle to win at that point necessarily, but you need absolutely everything to go right, which is what Langley needed. So when Langley muffed a punt in the fi- first quarter on Thursday, it was like throwing a pick six in that 31 to 14 game. Now it's 38 to 14, and the fans are reaching for the remotes. That's just plain tough luck, and, I, and I'm sorry to hear that for, for Brendan Langley. Now, speaking of tough luck, my loser number two from Thursday was Devontae Booker. Earlier Thursday, the Broncos announced that Theo Riddick was going to sign with the team. That is likely a death knell for Booker, who really has no spot outside of injuries on this team, You know, behind Freeman, Lindsey, Riddick, and Janovich. But to make matters worse, he didn't even get to play on Thursday. I, I'm, I'm presuming that that happened because the coaching staff set the the roster for the Hall of Fame game prior to the announcement on on Riddick, and and with the assumption that Booker looked like he was he was more of a, a bet to make the team, and Booker may very well because of not playing, he may have fallen behind Kalfani Muhammad who looked good in Thursday and was a name our friend Dom called out last week's show as looking impressive in camp. Very quick little back who, who probably would be great for the practice squad. And he has also, Booker has also David Williams and undrafted free agent Devontae Jackson nipping at his heels. Booker has a tough, tough road ahead of him to make this team. I'm honestly not sure I see it happening. And finally, my last loser from Thursday was Brett Rippon. And honestly, it, it was through no fault of his own because he looked decent, you know, about as decent as you would expect an undrafted free agent rookie to look in, in his first preseason game, about what you'd expect. But I have a theory on Rippon. You old-timers will remember that John Elway and Gary Kubiak were both drafted by the Broncos in 1983. And of course, Kubiak was kind of tonto to Elway's Lone Ranger for about the next 15 years. I think Elway liked that model. He tried to duplicate it in 2016 by drafting Paxton Lynch and Trevor Simeon. When he made that draft, I think he looked at Lynch and Simeon as being the Elway and Kubiak of the 2020s. And of course, it was a spectacular failure, not so much because of Simeon, who really had the makings of a fairly solid backup NFL quarterback, but because of Paxton Lynch and his lack of a work ethic. But this year, I think Elway is at it again, this time with Drew Locke and Brett Rippon. But there's a hitch in the get-along, and that's that neither Drew Locke nor Brett Rippon look right now one game into the preseason as if they are ready to be legitimate backup NFL quarterbacks. That may sound like something you can just take a chance on, but imagine for a moment that the Broncos are 4-1 and one under Joe Flacco, and then Flacco turns an ankle or gets a minor concussion and is out for several weeks. If Locke is not ready, you may be throwing the entire season away. At least with Kevin Hogan, if Flacco were to go down for a few games, you have a chance that the other 21 starters could step up their games and Hogan could be just functional enough to pull out a win or two over several games and save your season. I'm not sure you're going to be there with Locke this year. And if you throw Locke to the Wolves before he's ready, you stand a very real chance of setting back his footwork, his progression reading, 
and most importantly, his confidence. So, Locke's fairly poor, albeit not disastrous, showing against the Falcons really raises the specter that Fangio and Scangarello may need to go into the season with Flacco, Hogan, and Locke as their top three quarterbacks, and thereby expose Brett Rippon to waivers, which of course brings back bad memories of Kyle Sloter in 2017. Ideally, Rippon would clear waivers and sign with the Broncos practice squad, and all would be forgiven, but obviously there are no guarantees there. Let me just say for the record that I'm absolutely positively 100% still on the Drew Locke bandwagon, but I think that our fears that he's simply not going to be ready to produce at the NFL level in 2019 are starting to look justified. So, ladies and gentlemen, there's my three, three winners and losers for the week. All in all, I liked how the game went. It was defensive. It was fairly boring. No injury. Several guys stepping things up. If you're Vic Fangio, I think you come away with it fairly satisfied, probably not ecstatic about it. But at this point in the preseason, that's really about all you're looking for. So, final personal note for me. I set up this week a Twitter account. It's SkipperDude84. It's S-K-I-P-P-E-R-D-U-D-E, the number 8 and the number 4. I'm a veteran with Twitter, but the SkipperDude account is brand new. So at last count, I only had like 7 followers, I think. So I have an offer for all you listeners. For the next week, for anybody who follows me on Twitter, I will not only follow you back, I'll also go through your timeline and retweet a tweet of yours just to say, just as my way of saying hi. I'm planning to be more active on Twitter as the season gets closer and the games start meeting more, and I'd love to meet many of you. Kevin, back to you. Thanks as always to the Skipper Dude and interesting point, like I mentioned before, about the about the quarterback situation and how Elway has drafted two in the drafts in 2018 in 2000 ooh, must have been 16, 19 and 16 I should say, um, and how Paxton Lynch obviously didn't um, pay off, and hopefully the future of the Broncos will be in Drew Locke and Brett Ripon, but. Yeah, like like Skipper Dude said, it is a problem that with Hogan, you you add that extra spot, and Ripian may be claimed by somebody else when he try when he goes through waivers. So Hogan is a guy that I'm really split on because I think you only have Hogan if you really think this team has a chance to win this season. I know no team ever wants to lose, but if you're building and you're trying to build around Drew Locke, you want him to be the future. You see him as potentially being the future. I just don't think you can give his reps to some nobody. And we've talked about this before. And it's two. I know it's. I understand it's two different ways of thinking. And I understand Kevin Hogan will give them the best chance to win right now. But do we really think the Broncos this season are a Super Bowl team? No, I don't think so. Nobody does. So if they're not, why have Hogan? What does he give you? Yeah, sure, he gives you a better chance to win in 2019 if Joe Flacco gets hurt, but that's it. I mean, he will take away reps not only in the regular season, potentially, but also in the preseason, also in practice. I, I don't understand that. I, I don't get what what is the advantage of having Kevin Hogan except being able to have a you know competitive backup in 2019, and that doesn't matter. If Joe Flacco goes down, this team's done. They're done. I mean, I don't think they have that much of a chance anyway in 2019. And if Flacco is injured, then yeah, call it quits. That's okay. 
We can re- rebuild this year. I'm okay with that. Fans should be okay with that. But I'm not really okay with Hogan because he, there's no point to it. And that's a whole different story. We'll see how that ends up. I mean, honestly, I, I think we all hope that by the end of, of preseason that that Locke will have earned the second spot and Kevin Hogan is bye-bye. Ripian is the number three. That's the ideal. You don't want Hogan on this team. It's a rebuilding team. This is not a competitive team in 2019. So we'll see. We will see what happens. Um, I do want to go over now the three things I want to see in the first preseason game, which is the really the second for the Broncos, obviously. But you'll see a little bit more of an actual game plan, probably. You'll see probably some of the starters on offense, more like Flacco might play a series or two. Um, Sutton, you know, guys like that. On defense, maybe possibly you'll see Vaughn. Um, Chubb, I'm sure you'll see Simmons, guys like that. You're going to see more of the actual um, first team play a very little bit, a very little bit. But that's still exciting. I mean, I, I think a lot of people, you know, you know, give a lot of crap to the preseason, but I, I enjoy it. I, I like watching these these depth guys. You know, that it's not a fun or pretty game to watch. They're ugly games, but I kind of like that. I kind of enjoy it. I kind of enjoy to see. You know, first of all, how do they, how are they coached? You know, how many mistakes do they make? How on fire are they playing? You know, these guys are fighting for a job. A lot of these guys, you know, they're, they're really fighting for their livelihood and, and that's exciting. And I, I, I enjoy preseason now. Yeah. I'll be very much happier to have for the regular season, but, but preseason is fun in itself. Now, the three things I want to see in a game against Seattle, which is, I believe Thursday night, it's still confusing for me because when I when I pull up um, NFL Network or, or NFL.com or ESPN or whatever, they change the times into my time. So I believe it's something like 3 a.m. on Friday morning for me, which means it must be something like 6 p.m. in Denver. Um, and if first preseason game, you, you're probably not going to see Russell Wilson maybe maybe for you know three or four snaps or something if he's out at all. Seattle. You know they got a great quarterback, but I don't think they're that much of that great of a team anyway. Um, what I do want to see, though, I have three things I want to see. Uh, I I want to see Locke improve. Now I know that's that's an easy thing to say. I know that's what everyone's going to talk about, but but it's it really is the most important thing for me. This this team is in a rebuild. They're trying to build around Locke because remember, as we talked about before, to win in the NFL, you either need a Hall of Fame quarterback or a cheap quarterback that can succeed, and you build the talent around him and spend the money elsewhere. Now, if that's the case, you need to win in his rookie contract. So you need Locke to start performing very soon, or heck, if it's Ripian, whatever. Now, you're not going to win long-term with, with Flacco. It's just, it's not something that works. It's 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 a nice thought. Now, yeah, if Flacco all of a sudden becomes a Hall of Fame quarterback, great. But you see teams with, you know, look at Andy Dalton, look at Matthew Stafford, look at Jameis Winston, these guys who are not great quarterbacks and they cost a lot of money, their teams don't succeed, period. End of story. And so that's not a good case. Now, Flacco, yeah, he's a good bridge, but he's a bridge. He's not the guy. He's not He's not plan A, not plan A for a Super Bowl at least. So you need Locke to improve. You need it. We need it. For the future, he has to improve. Or it's a, it's again, it's drop back 10 and punt. Go and get another veteran. I hope some future Hall of Famer, you know, falls 
you know, into free agency and comes to Denver. Maybe it's, I don't know, Phil Rivers or somebody. I mean, I don't even know. So Locke, he needs to get better. And he needs to get better quickly because if he doesn't, then he's going to lose reps to to Hogan because that's what Elway does. Elway, for whatever reason, doesn't like giving his young guys real chances to succeed. And you can complain about that with Lynch. You know, I think Lynch was kind of an idiot, it sounds like. And I mean, I, I don't really... I'm not behind, I'm not supporting that Lynch should have had, you know, the chance to be the starting quarterback. He did have his chances, but they don't, they, they kind of bring in these underwhelming guys to compete with them and then give the underwhelming guys equal chance. And I don't know if that's right. Sometimes you got to just sink or swim with your young guys. And sometimes you're going to sink. But at least you know if you're sinking or swimming, you know, I mean, sometimes you have these guys that's like, ah, oh, well... I don't, you don't know what you have. And Drew Locke, you got to throw him in the deep end, see what happens. And hopefully he swims. So I'd like to see him with better pocket presence. Don't panic. Show that he can read, you know, progressions, understand the defenses, especially understand the, the simple schemes in preseason. And, if, if we don't see any improvement, then yeah, it, it will be time to worry. Now, again, it's preseason one. I'm not panicking. No one should panic, but but we do need to see improvement, at least a little improvement. That's my number one. Number two, I want to see this defense smack around Paxton Lynch. Smack him around. Yes, he now plays for Seattle, and he came out, I don't know, Twitter, Instagram, something the other day, or I don't even know, somewhere saying that, you know, he feels so much at ho- more at home in Seattle and they treat him so well. They're like a family, so much better than Denver. It's like, dude, shut up. What are you, come on. You know, it's just a stupid thing to say. It, it's, it shows you his immaturity. Now, what happens if he gets cut, which he almost undoubtedly will in Seattle, and gets signed by, I don't know, Oakland? What do you say then? Oh, it's such a nice family here in Oakland. So much better than Seattle. It's just, it's stupid. It's a stupid thing to say. What a stupid guy. I'm sorry. You know, I mean, it's just, it's so immature. The the dude showed that his entire time in Denver. He's not a mature guy. Now, yeah, that can be said for a lot of people. Maybe I'm not mature, but you know what? When you're you're getting paid millions to be a quarterback, you've got to show maturity. You've got to show leadership. And the guy doesn't have it. He doesn't have it. And, and, you know, just to disrespect the Broncos like that, it's just, it's not cool. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying the Broncos should injure him. I don't want any player ever to get injured, ever. Injuries are, are that, that's a rotten thing in the sport. I don't care if it's Tom Brady. I don't, I don't care if it's, if it's Kareem Hunt, guys that I, I, I really don't like either on the field or off the field. The, injuries are, are no good. I mean, and th- this is their livelihood. They, they pay their family, you know, they, they pay for their families. They support their families with this money. No one should ever wish for an injury. I, I think that's, that's, that's one of the worst things in humanity when, when I see fans, especially like Broncos fans, cheering on someone's injury or being happy or, or clapping when someone's hurt. That's rotten. I mean, I mean that, that's pathetic. This is like gladiatorial, you know. This is going back to, to like, are we even human? I never cheer an injury, ever. Now, that's different than saying, I want them to hurt him. You know, I don't want them to injure him. I want them to hurt him. I want him to feel some bruises and some pain. I want him to be scared. I want him to have nightmares of this defense. 
I want him to go home on Thursday night and cry to his mommy because Von Miller and Bradley Chubb and Draymond Jones busted his butt. That's what I want to see. I want to see him on his backside all night long. I mean, blitz the heck out of him. You don't disrespect teams. I don't even care if they didn't treat you as well as Seattle. You know, yeah, you know, Seattle's famous for being this lackadaisical, la la la, you know, Pete Carroll. And hey, it works. But, you know, that's not the only type of system that works. You know, you've got to be the one who succeeds on the field. And if you don't succeed, yeah, you're going to get booted. So don't go and start whining and bitching about your former team because it's 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 just it's not a good look and it's not smart. I mean, you know, Seattle's going to be like, yeah, okay, cool, bro, until you're gone and then you're going to say the same thing about us. Not smart. Beat him down, please. That's my number two. Number three, I want to see the O-line, again, the starting O-line, and I want to see them at least a couple times with Joe Flacco and, and protect for him and see what he can do with these with the receiving core. I'm not in love with with this receiving core. I'm not. I I hope that they improve. I I, I love Joe. I love Fant, as everyone knows. But Fant, if if he's your number one or two option, yeah, that I don't love him as much. I, if he's your number three option, then great. And I think you see that they went out and got Theo Riddick because they see this passing game is lacking. The receivers aren't sticking out. Sutton has not become the guy. Now maybe he will over the preseason and, and over the season. Jeez, I hope so. But he hasn't done it yet. Sanders, he, we don't know if he's going to be healthy yet. Now, yeah, in practice, it sounds like Flacco is, you know, lighting it up with with Sanders, or he was yesterday. Great. I mean, keep doing that. But until Sanders shows in, in actual game time and game speed and getting hit that he can survive, I'm going to be worried about it. And so the O-line is even more important that they give Joe Flacco time to read through his progressions and give the receivers time to get open because they're not doing it immediately. I, I think Theo Riddick, I, th- I think that shows more about the receivers than it does about the running backs. Truly. Everyone's saying, oh yeah, bye-bye, you know, Booker. I- I'm I'm more worried about Deshaun Hamilton. Now, if that sounds crazy, and I, I get it, but you know, I don't know. I, I think that Riddick could be your your slot receiver almost. And it sounds like that's mostly how they're going to use him. That's how he's been using his career. He's a, he's a running back, but he's really a running back slash slot guy. And if you're going to have you know Lindsey catching more balls out of the backfield, maybe Freeman as well. You saw a lot of these a lot of these wheel routes and whatnot in the first in, in the Hall of Fame game, and there were a bunch of drops and it plays that could have been better than they were. But I think part of that is scheme, and part of that is because I think they feel they have to. Because the receivers are just not good enough right now. Now, hopefully that changes, but it's a worry now. But again, that's what I want to see. I want to see the O-line protect Flacco. And I mean, to go along with that, I want to see the receivers have a good game. I want to see someone break it open. I mean, you know, Winfrey had had a nice touchdown to, to, to win the game, you know, on Thursday, last Thursday, but they're, they're not flashing. They're, they're just not. They're not getting open enough and they're not helping their quarterbacks. Now, we'll see if that changes with the veteran Flacco in. But that's something we really need to see as well. We're all worried about Locke. We're all worried about the offensive line. But I think, honestly, right now, the biggest worry is your playmakers, especially your wide receivers. So let's pay attention to that. Um, 
I'm excited for it. I think it'll be a fun game to watch. Again, yeah, it's going to be ugly. It, I mean, I think you're not going to see much of an offense. I want to see the same things from, from Locke. I want to see them give him a chance to air it out a bit, give him a chance to see something different and new, you know, read progressions because that's what he's got to practice. These vanilla offenses just don't help. So, I mean, give him something, give him something that he can really work with and learn with. And I think they did that in the Hall of Fame game, and I hope they do it again. Um, and hey, let's let's go win it. Let's go win the ball game. Let's go smack Lynch around, win the game, and come home happy. We can play some more pump up music next Monday here on the Broncos Broadworks podcast. Um, as always, stick around for MileHighReport.com. They they have all of the information you could possibly need. The in depth analysis. They 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 cover every player, every snap of every game, and it's where you should get all of your Broncos information because it really is the best place to get it. Also, of course, after you finish listening to this podcast, go over and check out the MileHarryPort.com podcast with Ian St. Clair and Adam Alnati. They, they really do a good job, um, really cover things very well, and, and as always, have a good sense of humor. Um, so check them out. And of course, follow me on Twitter. I'm at Kevy Gillikin. That's K-E-V-V-Y-G-I-L-L-I-K-I-N. And again, follow the skipper dude um i think what it was he's skipper dude 84 skipper dude 84 on twitter i also want to mention again that i am always accepting fan rants you know i want people to, to come on the show tell me what they think tell me what they think about the preseason you know what do they think about the hall of fame game what do you think about lock you know etc whatever you want to talk about tell me about your stories with the broncos what, what who do you like who did you have a good experience with maybe you were at the hall of fame game Maybe you were at the Hall of Fame. Tell me your Hall of Fame stories. Tell me your favorite Broncos. I mean, whatever you want to talk about, I do want to share this platform. I want you to tell us your stories, share what you've got. Um, send your, um, all I want is is a is a little bit of an audio, one to 10 minutes long. You can record it on any app. I mean, just an, you know, an audio bit. Send it to me on Twitter or send it to me by email at kevingillikinusa at Gmail. Dot com. Any topic, the only thing I ask is that you keep it G-rated. This is family programming, and so no cuss words, no, you know, no R-rated material, let's just say that. Other than that, I will see you all next Monday, hopefully after another Broncos victory. Y'all have a great week.